TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is episode 482, and I'm Libya, your host. And this week, we have returning guests. Hey, this is Peter. I write for Why So Blue, and I live in Hollywood. Hi, this is Allison, and I write for Weedonopolis. Hi, this is Tom, and I'm a professor of communication and media studies at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. All right, and Tom, you will start us off with the news. Okay, at Amazon, Imogen Poots has been cast in the drama series Outer Range. Season 6 episodes of Vikings will premiere first on Amazon before going to their linear home on the History Channel. AMC has renewed Fear the Walking Dead for Season 7. Apple TV Plus has announced that Juliana Margulies is joining the morning show for Season 2. Gugu Mbatha-Ra is going to star in a psychological thriller series Surface from creator Veronica West. And Eugenia... Eugene Derbez will star in a bilingual comedy, Acapulco, inspired by How to Be a Latin Lover. A CBS Equalizer reboot with Queen Latifah will premiere after the Super Bowl on February 7th. Disney Plus set photos have verified that Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld are starring as Clint Barton and Kate Bishop, and they announced a whole bunch of casting. Vera Farmiga as Kate's mom, Eleanor, Frey Fee as mercenary villain, The Clown, Tony Dalton from Better Call Saul as Swordsman, who was Hawkeye's mentor. Florence Pugh is going to reprise her role as Yelena Belova, Black Widow's sister. Alakwa Cox is going to play Echo, and Zahn McLarnon is going to play her father, William Lopez. HBO has announced that Issa Rae and Adam McKay are teaming up on a series adaptation of Nice White Parrots podcast. Uh, Marv Films, which makes the Kingsman movies, has set their first TV series. It's called Day One. It's a soccer series from Doug, Ell- uh, from Doug Ellen from Entourage and Chris Case, Mad About You. Matthew Vaughn will direct the pilot. No word about what outlet it will be on. NBC has announced that Superstore will end with season six. Uh, Elliot Page. Oh! Sorry. <laughs> Page of Umbrella Academy has come out as transgender non-binary, but will continue to play Vanya. Um, and they yeah. changed they um, they changed his name in the credits, which is really cool. Elliot, yeah. Um, Netflix has unpicked up Queen Sano, which was their first original African series. They've ordered the comedy God's Favorite Idiot from Ms. Alyssa McCarthy and her husband Ben Falcone, and they picked up Blood of Zeus for season two. Uh, the Stars Blind Spotting series has added Helen Hunt and a bunch of other people, mostly I've not heard of, to the cast of the show. David Diggs and Raphael Casal from the film will executive produce, and Casal will serve as showrunner. And the big news, I'm going to tag in Libya. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, the big news is that HBO Max will simultaneously launch uh, their 2021 movie slate on the app and in the movie theaters internationally. So that has made people lose their minds. But I think it keeps everybody safe. Like I'm okay with that. I think the bigger I think it's not only is it keeping people safe, which is good, is that it keeps it. It will, assuming that 
we, you know, as we, we, we will see a lot of people writing up about Wonder Woman and Dune and everything, it keeps new movies in the conversation. I mean, like, yes, it is a shame not to go to movie theaters. I love movie theaters. But, I mean, if you were to just keep delaying these things, eventually that newness, that quality kind of goes away. So I think it's – so from that point of view, I can't speak to the money. from the But from the point of view of, like, keeping people talking about new content, new movies from Warner Brothers, yeah, it's a it makes sense. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, money. Well, no, <laughs> of course. But, I mean, that, that's my that takeaway. Well, right, right. But as a consumer, the money doesn't – like, that's not affecting me. Like, so uh, – but, but, yes, I understand financially – Yes, that is weird, but I mean, what were we going to do? Wait, and don't, I mean, we'll throw this to everybody, but don't you think now we'll start, we'll hear that Disney Plus and other sites will start to do similar things? Well, I think I, Disney Plus has been doing all No, they haven't. So far. I so, mean, but Mulan was supposed to open in, in theaters and it didn't. It just became one of their, their streaming things. No, they charge $30 for that. So. Yeah, but still, it became available by streaming. So, I mean, yes. The, the HBO Max is kind of just throwing it out there. But on the other hand, also, I mean, how many people have the platform? Even if you, like, for instance, um, I've got DirecTV. So technically I have uh, HBO Max. But do I really want to watch, you know, epic movies like like Wonder Woman or Dune on a, a little PC? Because they, they haven't opened it out to things like Roku or whatever, where I they are they are very close to a Roku deal. They said that probably by the beginning of the year they will have a deal with Roku. Yeah. Okay. Well, once they do that, I may be more excited about it. Right now, it's like okay, that's that's nice. But so, Allison, you're fine with watching it on your television. You just don't want to watch it on your laptop. Yeah. Well, I I'll, you know I have to I have to say that I've got like a, a 70 inch TV and a surround sound system, so of course I'm perfectly okay with it. And not everybody has that kind of setup, and I, I think. I think, you know, when it comes right down to it, people will be happy to, to get back into the theaters again where they can have that big experience with the sound and the picture. And also, you know, there's something to be said of being able to get together with other people and have a group experience yeah. and, and hear the audience reacting with you. That's that's always important. Um, so I think, I think you know, this this is nice to have and it's a great interim thing, but I don't think it, it ultimately will take the place of the theater experience once we actually are able to do that again. I'm going to kind of disagree with you. Is here's the problem. We've got one of the, the number two chain is shut down worldwide right now. Uh, uh, the parent company of Regal Entertainment Group. Uh, I think it's Cineworld. And then AMC is on life support. So if the theaters survive, AMC is trying to raise $800 million in cash. If the theaters survive, they're not going to be in the best shape, and it's not going to be till summer, realistically, until the country as a whole has built up enough herd immunity through the vaccines to you start getting people back in theaters. And that's a lot. That's six months on top of the what? Not nine, ten months from last year. Yeah, that's an awful long time to go without capital. Well. So I, I think this could be a permanent change in that they're going to have to reconfigure how they, for example, Libby and I had a, a, a post, <laughs> I had a, had a post thread conversation, a private conversation about tenant tenants perceived failure 
was kind of a wake-up call because they thought this is going to be the movie that gets people back in the in, you know butts back in seats. Well, guess what? The number the three largest markets in the country still didn't have theaters open. And I'm sorry, I didn't love Tenet. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. I don't think it was. It's not. It's not one of Christopher Nolan's best movies. Okay, now we're <laughs> drifting off to uh, movie review. That's not. You're off topic. <laughs> no, let me, let me finish my thought. I think this is going to be what's going to happen is they're going to have to stop spending so much money on movies to make it profitable that you can have a boutique audience at the at the Cineplex and a very large streaming audience. Because face it, HBO Max's viewership, their membership is anemic. A lot of people who have access to it don't even activate it, and this is going to give them a shot in the arm. And well, AT&T would not be doing this if they're not going to figure out how to make money. I mean, well, I, I think that that's that's uh, true. Except, you know, the thing is, I think that there's going to be like a change. I agree with you; it's not going to go back to exactly the way it was before. But my feelings are, and and because I guess because you know I've seen the movie industry and the te- in the television industry change over the years, and they usually react to each other. And the movie industry has, you know, for, they, they started out very hostile toward television because they saw their audience be, audiences being taken away by TV. So their first reaction was to come up with big epic movies that you couldn't get the same experience with on television. And, and as TV started getting better, you know, picture, sound, quality, you know, the... the, the color whatever the then they they went to another thing because there was content that you couldn't get on television so you started getting uh much more adult content in the movies they and they they adapted back and forth and i think now what's going to happen is you're going to get a lot of a lot of theaters shutting down that's that is going to happen just like restaurants are shutting down there's going to be a lot of theaters and a lot of chains that go under and you're going to end up with a smaller and smaller group. But again, because they're going to want to in, give people an experience that they can only have in that theater, I think you're going to see more blockbusters, less of the little tiny quiet experiences, which you can see on television, and more of the big things. You're going to have, you're going to have far fewer theaters. It's, it's almost going to be like it used to be back in the 70s or 80s when you, know, you didn't have like massive chains with multiplexes everywhere you had like a few big theaters you know in in the cities and things like that and that's where all the really big movies opened and i think that's it's going to go back to that for at least a while i think that's the kind of change it's going to have i think that i'm i would agree with allison i I guess i i'm seeing allison and tom um to some degree i think everything alice allison is saying is uh Pretty, I can, yeah, I can see that. The only thing I will say, though, with regards to money, and that's what makes me think of uh, what Tom was saying, is that maybe what we'll see is, I absolutely believe that they will still put money in a Wonder Woman or an MCU movie or a Star Wars movie or whatever. Um, but all the, but you're right, probably the middle ground, the movies that would cost like eighty million dollars. I think that kind of stuff is basically just going to be. Small screen is just going to be streaming, which, to be fair, Netflix Netflix spends a lot of money on their show. The Crown is like thirty-five million an episode, so I mean, we're still going to see a lot of money spread. But I see Allison's point that, like, would we see romantic comedies and all that kind of stuff? I don't know. I feel like it does make sense that it would just be stuff that would be really big. Um, 
yeah, yeah. yeah we, we gotta wrap that that bit this bit up because we, we will <clears throat> apparently all have opinions on what's going to happen to the movies but let's go on to television all right uh first up we're going to talk about transplant and this week's episode i don't remember what happened because i watched two so tom <laughs> you go ahead and tell us that bash bash goes into therapy and the doctor said what took you so long and he tells the story about this uh, a patient he had who, who was a female uh, uh, a murderess who is getting out or scheduled to get out, to be released and she had an an ailment and um and wasn't she had, jab- yeah she had given her she had given up she'd given up and then also there was uh, Curtis, the black doctor, ends up treating a kid, and she's got like no, she barely deals with humans, let alone kids. <laughs> so she's got to figure out what's wrong with. Oh him. my god, that kid was eating. He was eating little pieces of what? At, uh, fishing fishing weight, weights. Yeah, like what? And oh. Theo broke the news to his wife that he has accepted the job. So of course that's not going anywhere. But well, I mean, to to be fair, how he did it was shady. Like, he waited yeah. till five minutes before he was leaving. Like, oh, by the way, I'm doing this. Bye. Yeah, that wasn't cool. But it was a really, you know, just a good personal story. What was one of the, my favorite parts of the whole episode was uh, LeBlanc and Curtis going out for drinks. Because LeBlanc did Curtis a favor. All right. And Curtis felt, we need to do something. We should do something. She just realized we should hang out. Right. We know we so was, you know, this show is not revolutionary, but it's just, you know, well made, well acted. I I love it. It hasn't picked. Up, they haven't officially confirmed it for season two yet. So, pick it up, Canada. <laughs> uh, uh, Allison, any thoughts? Um, I you know, it's, I I saw this episode like a month ago, and the part that the stuck out for me were the all the bits with the prisoner who was who you know she had committed a murder when she was a kid. It had, you know, messed up her life and landed her permanently in prison. But what I thought was interesting about it was that she had this relationship with the guard. Yeah. Who And you normally think of these as being, like, really hostile, really terrible, or, you know, in some way wrong relationships. And and they had a situation where he really kind of became a father figure to her and genuinely cared about her. And he was trying to push her to, to do the right thing and get herself together and get out. And I, I love that. And I think that's the strong point of this series in, in general, or showing, you know, the interactions of the, of the characters and the, hum, the human side of this. So that, that was the part that I really, really loved on, that, on this particular episode. Yeah. Though I will say the first time he started insinuating, like, his concern, I was afraid they were sleeping together. Was, that was my initial thought. Yeah. I was glad they didn't go there. Because yes. I did not want to see that. Yeah, I agree. So I like how it ended up. Um, Scrabble. (laughs) Yeah, that was really good. And unfortunately, I have seen the next episode. And so everything everything goes dark next week. It'll be fine. Don't worry. So this show's really good. And I think next week might be like a two-parter because it ends on a cliffhanger. So I wish we could watch those two together. I wish they aired them together. Because now I really want to watch the next part. Anyway, thumbs up for me. I really, really think this show is fun. I like Bash. I like everybody in the crew. Oh, I remember I liked also the uh, head nurse and the head doctor uh, describing their perfect vacation together 
and oh, deciding yeah. to be like, hey, let's let's do our perfect vacation together. Um, so I like them because I like them as a couple initially, and then they broke up for I can't even remember why. And so I'm glad that they decided to like give it a shot. Again. Well, she was married, but she left her husband. Right, and she was like, I need to live on my own for a while. Um, but I liked them together, and I liked his like really heartfelt. Like I really want to try this with you. Like I believed him. I was I was like, okay, yeah, let's do this. So, thumbs up for me on that. I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. All right, next up, we're going to talk about Blackish, and this week's episode was about. Why do Dre I never remember these? The it was what? Dre goes back to the hood. Oh yeah, it's, he keeps talking about he's from Compton. I'm from Compton. I'm from Compton, and his kids are like, but are you though? Um, and so that was the, that brought the humor and they actually go back to Compton to volunteer. And I really like that. Uh, oh God, what's the mom's name? Bo. Bo. I, I like the fact that she's such a hypocrite. She like tells her kids that you're volunteering. It should be in your heart. You know, you should, you're not above any task. And they're like, we'd like you to peel these potatoes. She's like, I'm a surgeon. You know what these hands have been through? And she's like. As much as she was giving her kids a hard time about being, you know, not volunteering and understanding the value of it, it was like she was literally doing the exact same thing, and she couldn't even see her own, like, hypocrisy of it. So I thought that was funny. Uh, Your thoughts, Tom? I I thought it was a good episode. Was this the one with the subplot where Junior and his girlfriend, she's got all the spicy food? No, that was last week, I think. I'm pretty sure? sure that yeah, I'm pretty sure that was last week. Because this week Junior was with his dad. They were driving around Compton together. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And he was part of the he was part of the chorus saying, you know, are you really from Compton though? Yeah, it was solid. This this show's been this season's been kind of hit or miss for me. Yeah, and I can see that. This, this is season seven, and I think it's starting to show its age. Yeah. I mean, the uh, episodes I can see where they get the idea. They were like, wouldn't it be a good idea if we did this? And then sometimes the execution is great, and sometimes the execution is, yeah, it's all right. Um, and Peter gave up on Blackish because he hates black people. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, actually just, I just forgot. I'm sorry. I, I need to catch up. I just haven't seen it in forever. I'm just messing with you, man. So, I know. Skip the pandemic episodes. Do yourself a favor. Yeah. Uh, next up, let's talk about uh, Young Sheldon. Um, and this week's episode, Sheldon wants to go to stamp camp, Camp. (laughs) uh, and finds out that it's canceled because there's not enough interest. And so that means he has to go to Bible camp with his little sister, Missy and his, his, his intellectual nemesis. What is that girl's name? Oh, Paige. It's her page. Paige. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Paige. Okay. Here we go. So, uh, Paige, he's, he's at camp with Paige who is his intellectual nemesis. And I like the bit at the beginning where they were just kind of snarking at, at Bible camp. And both of them were like, can you believe these idiots believe in Bible camp? Like that, just their camaraderie and banner was pretty funny. And then it, they, their competitiveness just kind of blew up and they were, they had to be like, well, I know the apostles. Well, I know the apostles better than you. In order of appearance. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, so, so the and so then Sheldon lost that that first battle. So it became like this whole thing. So he spent the next 
week or few days just studying the Bible so that he would beat her in the competition. And she was, she was like, oh, that was just that one day. I'm not interested in doing that for real. Uh, so then, uh, I really, I enjoyed his not understanding how human beings work attempt to make her irritated as she irritates him. Uh, Tom, your thoughts. I thought it was a fun episode. I mean, that, that subplot kind of went where it went, where you thought it was going to go. I thought the B plot with um, oh, with the with the son, the van. Oh, was hilarious! Oh my god. Well, I mean, it's it's the kind of logic that a fifteen, sixteen. Oh, well, he's sixteen or seventeen. It's the exact logic that a seventeen-year-old would have. He'd Absolutely. be like, he'd be like, I buy a van, and then me and my girlfriend can hang out on this bed, and it'll be awesome, and nobody will know or suspect that's why I bought this van. And everyone immediately knows why he bought the van. And his father's like, no, you got to send that van back. And he's like, because I don't want any grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then I, I love like all because he was like, well, you know, you live under my roof. You got to do what I say. And he's like, I could just live in the van. And I was like, dude, that is not going to work. And I immediately knew that wasn't going to work. He doesn't have a bathroom in the van. He doesn't have a shower in the van. He does. There are so many reasons why you can't live in your van. And he puts the squeeze on him, you know, not using the bathroom in the house. And then right. tells him not to use, let them use the bathroom. <laughs> All of that, that. You're right. That storyline was actually funnier. This is one I of the few was... times where the brother got a really good plot. Um, so, yeah. And then... Of course, all his plans fall apart because none of his girlfriend's father will not let him go on a date with her in that van. He opens the van; it's a big, like, decorated bed with with cow flowers and candles and everything. His father, that father's like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no, that's not happening." Um, and, and I don't, and yeah, with it either, huh? <laughs> and the girlfriend wasn't thrilled with it either. I know she was like, "It stinks. This is not romantic at all." Like, no. It's like for boy logic, it totally made sense for him. Um, but yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh, and I also like that his boss was trying to explain to him. He's like, "Do you know why I got married so young?" He's like, "Cause I had a van just like that." And he goes, "Oh, that's cool." He's like, "Like he didn't get it." It's like, no, it's not cool. Uh, all of that was great. Uh, so thumbs up. This is one of the better episodes of Sheldon. All right, uh, next up. We're going to talk about The Crown, episodes five and six, and I'll let everyone, not me, talk about The Crown and how wonderful and lovely Princess Diana and and, uh, Charles are as people and things. (laughs) What do you guys think? Uh, Five five was Fagin and six was Tara Nullius. Right. Um, I thought um, it's funny because um, I... I've been listening to how much Allison and Tom have loved this season. So I finally caught up because I, I liked season three. I don't know why I didn't love it. Cause I liked the first two seasons a lot and I love Olivia Coleman. Um, but I really feel like this season has been running on all cylinders, but yeah. Um, it's funny because, um, uh, my mom and I have been having a conversation. She, she loves the crown and stuff. And so we've been having a conversation and, a lot of our conversation has been about uh, Thatcher. And so she, we were watching it around the same time. 
And so she's been sort of defending like Thatcher. And I'm like, mom, I don't think Thatcher, I don't think people, I don't think people look kindly on Thatcher's <laughs> And my mom is very much, but my mom is, my mom thinks of it as like, look, she's older woman. She, she comes into, you know, she comes into parliament and it's like all these, she has to go against this patriarchy. I'm like, I absolutely agree that yes, that is a really big deal. She wasn't rich. She, you know, she she's really smart. I'm like, yes, absolutely. I get all that. But even from the beginning of the, the season when she's like, well, I'm not going to be hiring any women. It's just like, well, all right. So the one that turned my mom around was the Fagan episode. Like, mm-hmm. because my mom really felt, so for people who don't know, in real life, um, this guy who basically sounds like a Charles Dickens character, um, <laughs> he broke into the the palace twice like, like like the first time he breaks in and i think he just drinks a bottle of wine or something like that yeah and then, yeah and then he leaves and then the second time he actually makes it to the queen's bedroom oh and, and supposedly they talked for like 10 minutes now what did they talk about obviously the show makes it very compelling I have no idea if that's what they really talked about, but the show basically does uses it as an example to be like, here's this guy that's on the dole. He can't see his kids. He's, he's unemployed. Um, he's obviously, he hates Thatcher. He's obviously very disposed of the way things are going. So he wants to just talk to the queen and let her know what's up. And the queen is surprisingly, even though she wakes up and she's kind of freaked out, I would say she's surprisingly sympathetic towards everything but I, I look again. It's a fictional thing. I have no idea if this is how things went down. But I really thought they did a for something that could be so overly simplified of like rich entitled people, poor you know poor person. They do a pretty good job of like their big meeting. I'm like I can't wait to see what it's going to be like for these two meets. And I was not disappointed. Uh, what did you guys think? I, I love this, and especially what what surprised me so much about this particular episode and how they used it is I've heard the story before about the guy who broke in to to Buckingham Palace, and they left out the part where he like peed in one of her dogs like doggy boxes or something like that. So he did that too the first time. But um, the the way I've always heard it told is that you know he was just a crazy man who who just kind of you know benignly crazy, but he he was obsessed with the queen, so he kept breaking in, and and they eventually put him in a, a funny farm. And I figured, okay, fine, that's all I really thought about it. Now I don't know if this, the way they've depicted him here is real. the The real man is actually alive. Yeah, he's, um, he's, they he's say still around. Is- Yep. And uh, and he he was only committed for like about three months before they left him out, let him out on his own recognizance. But um, the, they used him to give the audience a, a much better idea of what was really going on in Thatcher Britain at the time, which was absolutely monstrous in terms of of the the economic situation because she just she just gutted the country. She turned it on its head, and and she wanted to privatize everything. She she put a lot of people out of work. Um, it was an extremely hard time for for everyone. And what they used Fagan for, they you know just not not just random crazy guy who breaks in just because, but they used him as our focus, our look right. at what was happening to every man during that period of time of how hard it was and and economically what it could do to people and the desperation that it could bring them to. 
and and I loved the conversation, uh, which I, I'm sure is entirely apocryphal. I know I understood that that she did say, "Who are you?" when she when she saw him on the end of the bed, and that she kept her composure. That's what I understand from the story. Somebody else at first, right? She yeah, she thought she because she's usually woken up by a, a, a you know staff. member of the staff, and they get her tea and that kind of thing. So it's like. Uh, not as strange as it would be for most of us to have somebody just suddenly <laughs> standing at the end of the bed, but but she, from what I understand, she did keep her composure. What I like is that they did use her as like a sympathetic ear, you know. So there was a sounding board there for for him to so he wasn't just you know just ranting into the wind. Um, it was uh, it was just a great episode. I, I loved how how they they approached it. It was I... really really wonderfully done. And then the next episode that focuses on. Charles and Diana's tour of Australia, and yes. basically this is the beginning of the end of their their. I wouldn't even say wedded bliss. Yeah, <laughs> wedded something or other. Yeah, um, but basically, a, yeah. she she um, she alienates everybody by insisting that the baby come with her. Crazy talk that a, you that she wants the young child to not be without her for months on end. For but, the royals, yeah, it kind of was. But the, uh, the the thing is, she was immensely popular. We talked about this a little bit last week. She was a people's princess. People reacted to her. People truly adored and loved her. And they were like, eh, oh, it's Princess Diana and her husband, too. <laughs> and he's, <laughs> right. just, he's just portrayed as being completely jealous. Right, I mean the hook. The the hook is that, of course, they they have their marriage is just never good. And there's a there's a little moment halfway through the episode where they sort of are like getting along. And I think it, it, it's even implied that you know they slept in the same room that night. It seems like oh they're actually doing okay. And well, then, they did have more than one child. There has to be an explanation. Well, that's true. That's true. That's yeah. At least twice. Um, <laughs> but then she becomes so popular. Like because remember when they when this starts. The thought is, I think Philip is like, Elizabeth should be going. And Elizabeth's like, no, no, no. I did this in the 50s. I don't, you know, it was a huge success. I don't need to do this again. (laughs) Right. And it looks like it's going to fail. And the, and the, and the, is it the president or prime minister of Australia? I don't know what they're, what? PM. He thinks it's going to be a great opportunity for Australia to finally get their freedom, you know, get away from the United Kingdom because they're not going to like Charles. But yes, everybody loves Princess Di. Like, she just glows and everything. And once that happens, I mean, it's weird because politically it's good for England, but Charles is so, yeah, he's very jealous. It's so funny. was When I heard you guys talking about Charles when I had started the season and you guys were like, ugh, Charles. It's weird because Charles originally was a character that I felt really bad for because I was like, oh, this kind of sucks. Like, he really should go to art school. He shouldn't be forced into this military thing. But, and they even have a conversation, him and Diana have a conversation about that in this episode where it's like, of course I understand what this is like, but yeah, he's gotten pretty bad. <laughs> like yeah, I'm, uh, I mean, they, they, yeah. they humanize him in earlier seasons, but that doesn't really, it's like with this season, they just kind of threw up their hands and said, you know what? He just sucks. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, because he does. He acts like it's, you can feel sorry for him in the earlier episodes because he is a child and he's he's being treated badly. The trouble is, is that psychologically he never stops being a child. He right. he always has this 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 infantile way of reacting to things and this jealousy that that is something that would be appropriate for a 10 year old but is really really awful in a guy who's pushing 40 and you know just the he should be he should be glad that he's married to a woman who makes him look good um but all all he can see is that they like her better than him and he hates that right but it was good. I thought both episodes were really good. All right. Uh, let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about Alex Ryder, episodes five and six. And Peter, seriously, get on board. Yeah, Peter. Dude, get on board. Good. You uh, need to watch it. So episode five, Tom, is what? Episode five is when he starts to um, the tour. I mean, to go to the forbidden places in the school. Right, right. Because in the last episode, he first arrives and he notices everybody's being weird, zombie-like, and he's like, what the heck is going on? And and his mission is to investigate the school. So he starts going off on his own to try to figure out what's going on. He sees some kid upstairs with, like, a weird mask, and that kid, like, disappears. He's like, what the heck does that mean? And he starts finding, and then he goes into the basement, right? And he finds all the kids' cages. Is that five or six where he finds all well, the kids' cages? The, 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 I think it's six that he finds the cages. It's in five that they get upstairs and upstairs find the duplicate five. room. Yeah. Oh, and right. It's, and, oh, and they find the duplicate them. bedrooms where the imposters are learning their behaviors. And he sees the cameras are aimed on them to right. watch them. Right, right, right. So they can study them. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where the, uh, the kid, the, the, the third kid, it's, uh, is it Kyra? The girl he's kind of I think it's Kyra. Um, yeah. And James is the other kid, and yeah. then he gets taken, he gets turned. Well, what's crazy is the when you see that all the kids are behaving differently and something weird is happening. When your principal's like, "I'm taking you to my office," I'd be like, "Yeah, no, that's all right. I don't, I don't think I'm going to your office." But he goes, to, and and then what was crazy? I like that they changed the code that they got in and hacked the the board the the security codes. So that they could basically, instead of having to worry about them figuring it out every time, blah, blah, blah. They were just like, you know what? We'll just put a, a master code in all of them so that we can get in any room we want to. And I thought that was brilliant to do that. Because then that allowed them to go anywhere. And that was, that was I like that. And uh, like he followed them into the office like two minutes later and everybody was gone. He was like, what the heck? Because there's secret passages all over this school, and it was insane. Um, and you, I like that you are finally getting a, an idea of the scope of the project of Point Blank, like what they're trying to do, which is they're taking the children of people, power, not necessarily rich. Power players. Power, yeah, people yeah. who are actually control the infrastructure of the world. And they're taking their children and replacing them with people who are loyal to them. Because um, at first I was like, are they cloning them? And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. They're, they're surgically altering other people. But I, that doesn't explain why they're acting like robots, though. Like, that's not... 
just because you're replacing have, them. Have with... you watched the entire series? No, I have not. Re... No. Oh, okay, because they do explain that. Oh, okay. That does But for where I am right now, I don't understand that part. Um, but yeah. It makes sense. I, I really... I, I was like, man, he is in so much danger now. And then, and then when you get to the next episode, like straight up, yeah, they Tom, they... Tom gets compromised. Yeah, and they they get his phone, and he's made a video about Alex Ryder. <laughs> as you do, as you do when you have a best friend who's a spy. So they they call the uh, the bad guys call point blank and tell them right away. So his his cover is blown, but fortunately, uh, they call um, Jack. The school calls Jack after looking for Tom, and Jack has is forthright enough to call everybody else and say something's wrong. Right. That kid never cut school, and so they are able to rescue Tom, and then they're able to send forces after Alex. Meanwhile, Alex improvises. <laughs> he takes an ironing board and turns it into a snowboard. That was crazy. <laughs> we have a really cool chase scene. It was a cool chase scene. You, you have to admit that. Because he finally confides in Kyra because he thought she had been replaced and then she convinces him not. And then they have a moment and I'm like yelling, kiss her, kiss her. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's just, they've got two episodes left. So there's plenty of of, uh, plot left to happen. I like that they're taking their time. It doesn't feel padded like a lot of these other shows do. Yeah, but no, it was a, it, well. it was a little ridiculous that after that insane chase down the mountain, he stood in the middle of the road and got hit by a truck. Uh, well, like, we don't really. Know that. Well, that that was the that was the next week. I know that was yes. a big cliffhanger, but yeah. I was like, really? After all of that? Okay, um, but yeah, I really am enjoying the show. It's it's so it's like all the pieces are amazing. And there was that line of dialogue from the the spy agency. His uncle Ian was training Alex. Yeah. So, to what end? We don't know exactly, but should have trained him to fight a little bit. That would have been useful. It's like okay, bungee jumping, you know, riding riding a a snowboard made out of an ironing board. That we can cover those things, but but you can't throw a punch for shit. You know. <laughs> All right, uh, but overall, I thought it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait for the last. I think the last two episodes, right? Yeah, I think there's eight. Yep. All right. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, we have the flight attendant episode two, and Tom is really going to tell us about two, but also tell us why we should be watching the flight attendant. Yeah, it's um, episode two. She gets back to New York, and. At- Actually, we talked a little bit about two last week, but um, overall, this reminds me of like a it's it's very Hitchcockian, except for instead of the fatal blonde, she's she's the fatal blonde type that Hitchcock liked to cast in the lead in the Jimmy Stewart slash Cary Grant role, and um, basically she keeps making really stupid decisions. <laughs> And uh, having to face the consequences of them. But it's still, there's this pervasive sense of black humor throughout. But when you get to, uh, I ended up watching three and four last night. And 
once they really start pushing the story, once she becomes more proactive, and again, making really bad decisions, you start to get more and more information. I'm speaking vaguely, so when Peter catches up, we can talk about it. <laughs> can I ask a question, though? Like, because, I mean, obviously you're, you're really liking it, but you just said makes poor decisions. I guess I... I mean, the poor decisions she made in the pilot was kind of what turned me off. Like, I mean, look, I mean, you look, everyone on this show loves the West Wing. I always use the West Wing as an example of like Sorkin and his team as 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 like he creates a cast where the, we assume, we pretty much think most of the characters are pretty smart and they're doing the best they can. I guess I feel like in the pilot for Flight Attendant. I wish that Kuoko's character was being smarter because then I want to root for her. That's so if you say she's making bad moves, like how do you root for her then? Yeah, well, two things. One, a reminder, based on a book. So haven't read the book, but I'm sure they're trying not to deviate too much from the source material. You're going to find out more about her psychopathology. There's a reason why she makes some of the really bad decisions she does that you're going to find out when... In, in one of the forthcoming episodes, a situation comes to a head, and you start some of the flashbacks we get to her and her father start to make we start to get them in context with her relationships. Okay, so, but I think a lot of it is carried on. We like Kaylee Cuoco, and this is a I, different. Role I do for, like her. Yes, this is a different role for her, but it's kind of fun because they're not saying, "Oh, she's an instant brainiac." She acts impulsively and poorly. And every once in a while, she acts instinctively well, but most times, not so much. But for me, we're starting to get into the real mystery. And it's also fascinating that you get the dead guy, the dead Dane, the dead hot Dane, not Jamie Lannister, <laughs> up in her head. He's the only hotness I need. Sorry. Go ahead. So Showing clearly up. I should watch this and not Alex Ryder. No! <laughs> <laughs> even even Tom said no. Tom said uh, Alex Ryder. Okay. Alex Ryder first. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery. And this week's uh, episode, <laughs> I was going to say... What did you really think, Peter? I was going to say this is probably the weakest episode they've had all season. Probably. It's like, <laughs> I... I, I <laughs> I've got a nickname for this episode. Okay. Oh, brother. This is a very... You know, listeners wouldn't know, but we have a text chain, a TV campfire text chain, and um, Allison and I often disagree uh, I, on, a lot of, uh, on a lot of things. You um, could say that. Uh, with much respect to Allison, of course. Uh, but it seems like you and I were in perfect sync uh, with this episode <laughs> of Disco. Um, but I'll let Allison... Uh, tear it a new one. Go ahead, Allison. <laughs> I think he's he's letting you go to your strengths. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, um, the, it was. This is exactly why I stopped watching Discovery. It's it was just it was a, a, an episode so full of dumb and and the script was all over the place and didn't seem to know where to land. There was like a hundred you, you know it was usually you're looking at an A story and a B story. This had everything straight through Z's story. It's like there was nothing left out. They had to hit every every point and every character and every trope and every cliche and just shove it all together in a blender. And and all the stuff that happened. I think the weakest part of it was what was supposed to be the A story, which was everything that happened down on the planet with with Booker and his his 
book, and oh my god, his brother. Yeah. Um, Mainly, okay, I will interject here. My main issue with the brother is that the actor couldn't work act himself out of a paper bag. At that all. was really just, my issue. I think he's he also was really bad. I, I don't know where they, they found him. He was all. really yeah, bad. I think a better actor would have elevated the material a little bit, but this guy was so bad. He was, it, so it was bad. he was bad, but I mean, let's face it, the material was pretty terrible too. I mean, some of the dialogue was was just wincingly painful, it's... and the situation was awful. And and you know, we were doing that same old, you know, let's let's join hands and sing kumbaya, and we'll just magically make all the locusts go away, <laughs> and you know, because we talk to animals like Snow White, you know, and and it was uh, I, I just it it was so terrible. I, I I just felt myself cringing about every five just... seconds watching this. This episode. I also feel like Fear the Walking Dead did this. Um, they it feels like for the longest time, um, I would complain that a show like Supernatural, I would really get tired in Supernatural. I'm talking about like 10 years ago, like when the show started. I I felt like anytime you would have a black man on Supernatural, he always seemed like kind of pissed off or about to get angry, which is kind of like, a, it's a trope, you know, angry black, scary, angry black man. Um, I kind of feel like Fear the Walking Dead and now this, and I think Discovery is a pretty woke show. Like, it's a pretty progressive show overall. There's, there's a lot of diversity on. There uh, is, there's a lot of diversity, but the brother is basically the Latino hothead. And I'm just like, really? Like Fear the Walking Dead did this too, but in Fear, the character's, isn't going to be important. I was like, this is Book's brother. I was like, so please write him better because I just very much roll my eyes at how just at the drop of the hat, he just gets so angry all the time. And I was like, oh, come on, man. Like, uh, like if that just surprised me because I do think it's a very... I also put, but I mean, to be fair, also part of that is direction and how the actor is portraying sure. the character. And yeah. I think because that actor wasn't any good, his go-to thing was... Yeah. To be angry, and it didn't anger, play. Anger is the easiest emotion for inexperienced actors to play. Right. And I don't think that that's the show's and, fault. I and agree. it's also the least interesting for viewers to right. watch. Right. Yeah. Side note, I will say, and I think Allison might agree, if there was one, <laughs> there was one saving grace to this episode, I did like Saru practicing his, uh, I don't know what we call it, his, his like call to action. His thing. command. It's yeah, that was, I like that. That was cute. That was execute. Like that was funny. And everybody like, was like, "Nah." Yeah, that, like that's one thing that I was I like, oh, "That's kind of funny." Like, it. he's got those crazy legs. Kick it. Kick it. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it, dude. It's a such a weird show because I I have really liked Discovery this season. I did not see season two. I have seen a little of season two. Um, I like Michael Burnham. I like. Uh, Cindy Martin Green. I like her. Like I overall, I I want to root for Discovery. So I want it to be good, and I'm assuming everybody else does yeah, too. Yeah, it can have a bad episode, people. This is one. Calm down. <laughs> it just it just brought up all the reasons that I stopped watching the first time. And like, if it's a one off, which I'm hoping is the case, oh, um, and they're they're back to being better next week, then I, I will be thrilled. But yeah, I was it was like it was like uh, why are you doing this? Yeah, why was, are you making? It, me but but also the episode felt very much like a standalone, so I'm okay with it being a one. Although wait a minute, and then I know we I need to I know we need to move on, but okay, standalone. But I am getting the uneasy feeling that the 
the bad guy in this, the the woman, the green. I don't remember. I'm sorry. Oh, the big bad, the wicked witch. With the, the kind of basically, face. it's the organized yeah. crime. It's basically like an organized crime. Like I am feeling that's going to be the big bad, and that's not interesting to me. She is. That, that's it. The, I, the I, go, look, Tom. Tom. Wait, 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 wait. Tom has not gotten a chance to speak. Go ahead, let, Tom. Tom. Let Tom speak. Is, I don't think she, the, the big mystery is what caused the burn. Right. So, that's true. Unless she did, and I doubt she's that interesting or competent, I don't think that they're going to lean too much on her. Obviously, she's... I mean, she's not good. <laughs> no, she's not. It's like, it's like, what a waste of Jonathan Frakes' directing skills to put him with all the... the saddle him with all these lame actors. It's really... it's it's When and she this, turned around, I was expecting so much more. And, and, and that's... Well, the only thing I will say about her and the and the organized crime thing, they're they're going to be used as a prop to show that Starfleet can stand up again. Because yeah, basically, right. Starfleet has been afraid to do anything because they have this big thing and they they're not a strong unit. So they're just going to be let's show that we can stand up to these guys. And for that, that's fine. But yes, the big mystery is the burn. So. And you can see the the machinations to put Georgia back in her in the right time period because we're starting to find out that uh, her problems are stemming from being forward in time and from another universe, right? Another universe. Yeah, so they're gonna have to send her back. So yeah, just in time for her spinoff show. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's let's move on. There, there's no reason to beat this dead horse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we're going to talk about The Mandalorian. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, and this week's episode was, I mean, after last week's, I was like, that was the best episode of Mandalorian's ever done. And then this week's episode is like, hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> you know something bad's going to happen because yes. it's bad. The tragedy. tragedy. Yeah, when I saw that come up, I was like, oh no. Like, I was really worried. I was really worried. Uh, I know, and I was like, oh, this can't be good. Um, I, I even consciously, um, I started the episode, and I didn't want to see the title, because I was like, ah, sometimes the title gives it away. So I like, went to get my food, and I'm listening, and I'm listening, I'm like, okay, this is going on. And I sit down, and it's like, the tragedy. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like, like I, I tried to not know that, that was the name. <laughs> well, wait, so now that we've seen it, is the tragedy that I mean in a weird way, tragedy to me means death, and the only real death is his ship. Like that's, Which is that's, a tragedy. I was very sad is, by that. He lost, is, he lost is the, the tragedy. Kid. Yes. Lost yes, the but kid. yes, he lost the kid. Yes. But the, 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 the kid's not dead. Like, but I mean, you don't know how long he's gonna be alive because they just really want his genetic material. They do. And I think they actually want more than that because the, when the kid was I mean the, the issue is that he could possibly turn dark. And that kid was flinging around uh, stormtroopers like ragdolls. <laughs> and and when when uh, Giancarlo Esposito walked in, he did not look disturbed by that. In fact, he was rather entertained. So I, I think that he has some other ideas. You know, it's like yes, use his genetic material and then make him one of us. I, well, right. My other uh, thing was like put him in manacles, and I was like, they have baby manacles, and I was like, why do they have baby manacles? <laughs> That's true. You're right. And baby right. manacles. They're evil. Yes. <laughs> I was like, 
what? How do you have baby-sized manacles? That they was have literally jails and things like that. <laughs> that was literally what I was yelling at my television. Like, how do you guys have baby manacles? But I did like that he got to send out the message. Um, and yes. So like now, it. now, I'm predicting Ezra Bridger. Anybody want to go 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 against me on that bet? You think Ezra Bridger? Yeah, that's my bet. Huh. The lead from Rebels. You haven't talked about the two returns, though. Oh, of yeah, course. I know, I know, I know. I'm still. I just want it's your bets on. Show. I want your bets it's on the record. Episode. Yeah, I want your bets on the record before we go on to that. Your okay, bet- I, that re- relates to a show that I didn't watch, so I have no opinion. Yeah, but then opinion. I'm just saying you can pick which Jedi you think is going to now show Mace up. Mace Windu. No, I don't know. <laughs> the ghost of Mace Windu. <laughs> Um, I mean, the only real Jedi we have available is Ezra Bridger. Well, I mean, you also have technically Luke Skywalker. Yeah, but we we know they're not going to go there. Yeah, and so no one's going against the Ezra Bridger. I think you're right. I think it's, it's Ezra. Right. That makes sense. All right. Um, but I gotta say, like, um, as a person who, I always feel like, um, I was I was like 13 when Return of the Jedi came out, and um, I feel that Boba Fett's death in Return of the Jedi was one of the first moments that I realized that I wanted to be a movie critic because <laughs> like, what the hell is that? Like, what are you gotta be kidding me? Like, uh, like it completely threw me out of thirteen-year-old Pete out of Star Wars. Uh, so I was so happy to finally, forty years later, or whatever, like to finally see Boba Fett be awesome. I was like, yes, like. That him getting his armor back, that whole sequence is Robert director Robert Rodriguez really like he gives us two good scenes with Boba. One without the armor, where he's like breaking their Oh my god. It was so awesome. Awesome. It's just so oh my god, it was so engaging. I just loved it. I, it was like it was it was great because I felt exactly the same way when I when I saw that before. It's like we have had this character we, we've been talking about for three movies now, and he's been built up and built up, and now he just gets eaten by a sarlacc. That's yeah. it. I think he's had three lines of dialogue in the whole movie, you know. But it's, it's, so we yeah we had to wait like forty years before he was finally given a decent storyline, and and he carries it fantastically. He's an awesome character now that they're yeah. giving him something to do. Uh, it's like, why do you make us wait that long? He's great. Um, so yeah, I was I was totally thrilled that he came back. I was absolutely thrilled uh, that they brought May back. I was like, Ming um, Na Win, woohoo! Yay, woohoo! Um, I, I mean, it was the the two of them together were absolutely great. The only thing that I I, I remember thinking at, at the time was, you know, he was all about getting his armor back, and I kept thinking, are, are you sure? Because you are so much more awesome without it. Well actually his fighting style his fighting style was very different with the armor on and without. I liked it actually with that stick. That was that was yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. It was beautifully done. It was gorgeously choreographed. Um just everything about this episode was was, was like, yes. Um I also I, was, I, was... I, I will point out that uh even after the explosion destruction of the ship uh, Mando got the uh, spear, which means he is going to be in a fight with with Midian, Gideon. 
Gideon. Moff Gideon. He's uh, Wait, because, why do you think because he's, he's got the dark saber. The only thing you can use against a lightsaber is that Baskar. the the Baskar well, no, spear. His, his armor too. Yeah. No, I, that's just stand there and hear beat on me. But <laughs> if you, and, but, but the spear can actually be the only effective weapon. Correct. That, that is not so now he has a weapon that he can use against the dark saber. Although, do we know that Mando is skilled with a with a staff? He is a Mandalorian. He is, which means he's good with he's good with other things. I just don't. I don't know if I've seen. I, we've never like seen. Like, we, no. He's never had a spear that we've seen. I'm sure we will see what he can do with it. I also really like that. I guess it's kind of a retcon thing, but I was wondering how they were going to resolve Boba Fett's armor. And I like there's this moment where basically Boba Fett. He brings up his wrist, and there's, like, this screen with a bunch of runes on it. And he's like, oh, that's me. I'm Boba Fett. My father was the person who I got it from. And then he's like, oh, your dad was a – was it a foundling? Is that what yeah. they call it? Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was all pretty good. Like, I like I, – because I really want Mando and Boba to, like, be on the same team. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I really don't want them to not get along. Like, so I was like, okay, good. This is good. You know, like, and they – because of the life debt, he's like, oh, we will, you know, continue. And it looks like – so his plan now is to get Bill Burr out of prison. That's the plan. That dude's so lame. He's getting him out so that he can give him information on where to find uh, Gideon. But also, don't forget, we have Bo-Katan and her crew who are also looking for Gideon. So I feel like that team up is going to happen as well in the finale. Do you think we're also? Do you think we're basically in the next two episodes going to see all the like? Do you, I mean, technically, they don't really need a reason to bring the. Timothy Oliphant's the marshal back. I just like Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, but, but he doesn't have the armor anymore, so he's not really... You could bring Katie Sackhoff back, though. That's what I just said. I said Bo-Katan. Oh, but I, I'm sorry. I didn't... Okay, yes. Yes, you could yeah, bring her back. But yes, unique, because she's hunting for Gideon because she wants that dark saber. Saber. Right. Yeah, but they seem to follow the same format um, The you know, they did last year where we get all these people and then they show up again. And I think by the, the last two episodes, everyone's going to be coming together and yep. Timothy Olyphant, uh, you know, there's, there could be a good reason they'll figure out to bring him back too. Cause you know, that seems to be the thing is, is let's bring back all the guys he's had uh, a chance to meet and show how they work together to. Well, to he's also going to need a new ship next season. Things. This is true. Yes. Plus, which is, is that surprised me that they actually went there and destroyed the ship. Yeah. I was like, gave a little gasp. About yeah, my that. mouth dropped open. I was that was razor, a, razor crest. Really? Yeah, the razor crest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, and not that it's a particularly elegant ship. If they give him a better one, I won't be upset about that. It's very. It was, it was, very, it was uh, surprising. It's very Firefly. Yes, it's like a hunk yes. of junk Millennium yeah. Falcon yeah. type of thing. Yeah. So I was surprised they blew it up. I was like, whoa. Um, but yeah, thumbs up. I thought it was great. Yeah, when he when he went back for the spear, I'm thinking, yep, Libya's video game quest thing is spear. Even the moment when when in the beginning when Mando is circling around the, the point where um, Rogu needs to make com- commune with the Jedi feels very video game. I was like, oh, that's the waypoint in Assassin's Creed. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to activate that stone. Like, uh, no, it, the show is is very video gamey, questy, but my, which I have no problem with. My issue with the lesser Mandos, like the one where there was that 
spider thing or yeah. whatever. It's usually yeah. more, I just don't find that quest interesting. It's, it's not yeah. the format. So, but I thought, yeah, I loved it. I'm so, I can't, I just, I, ah, yeah, I, I can't wait to see that. I wish that, I wish they would do like a back-to-back -back seven and eight together. It feels like that's what you, it's, well, if you yeah. wait to watch seven. Well, that's, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> all right, that's, let's, let's wrap this up. We're saying thumbs up, correct? Yeah. Way, way up. All right. If you guys have any questions or comments, send them to TVCampfire at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Listen to us on GetThePointRadio.com, Krypton Radio, Weedonopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Later. Bye.